With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. I know a lot of people are dealing with a lot of issues right now uh, based on the storm that came through Knoxville, and certainly our thoughts and prayers are with everyone who's dealing with the damages, but if you are dealing with the unfortunate issue of having weather damage, there's no better people to call than our friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Give them a buzz for a free estimate. They can fix siding. They can do rooftop repair. Uh, Whatever your needs are for your exterior home, they're going to take care of you. That is at Exterior Home Solutions, and we certainly thank them for their continued support of the VolQuest.com podcast. Be sure and hit the like button on this podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And we're going to dive into your questions. I'm Brent Hubbs along with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. Guys, we're going to start right out of the gate with Henderson Vol 15. What freshman not named Arian Carter makes the biggest impact this season for this football team? Austin, I think that's a pretty interesting question based on some of the comments we've heard from assistant coaches over the course of the week, don't you? I do. I'm going to go Ethan Davis just because I think they're thin at that position. And I think the opportunities will be, you know, the opportunities will be there. Um, But I do think you can make a case for a number of different guys, whether that be David Hobbs or Tyree Weathersby, Caleb Herring. Um, You know, I think those are probably the most realistic options on the defense besides Arion Carter. You know, Rob, when you look at this class, and let's, he, he said freshman, so let's take the transfers out, as obviously AP did there. It, it, it feels like that there's a lot of confidence and belief in this class. Not that they're necessarily going to play and make a big impact, but that, that, that they have hit on guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Doesn't it feel that way to you just and watching those guys and hearing coaches talk? Oh, yeah. I mean, and AP just rattled, you know, a bunch of them off. I mean, that you know, Arian Weathersby, you know, Caleb Herring, you know, the, the young DBs, I think we're all excited to, you know, see what, you know, Jordan Matthews and what, what those, what those guys can do. But I mean, I, I think I, I totally agree with AP. That answer to a the answer to the question AP gave, you know, and I, Hubber, I think you talked about it last week, Ethan Davis, just because of the need and, you know, because of ability. I mean, it's not like you're, if, if, if he has to play, it's not like you're playing some stiff. I mean, he, he looked really good in, in the spring and the stuff we got to see. All right, I'm going to add my own question into the mailbag podcast here because, well, that's what I'll feel like doing today. Um, it, it feels like, Austin, on the transfer portal front, Tennessee has hit well. Who makes the biggest impact out of the portal guys? Castles, Peely, Thornton, Omar Norman Lott? Well, everybody's going to say Dante Thornton because that's the flashy position. But, you know, I, I, I kind of tend to lean um, Omar Norman Lott or McAllen Castles, again, because Rodney plays a big rotation and Castles plays a position of, uh, that's not super deep. Um, but, 
you know, you can't go wrong with any of them. You know, they're all getting really, really high reviews, you know, for, for their work, for their approach, all that. But again, you guys still got to go put it, you know, put it on paper out on the field come uh, September. What about you, Rob? Uh, I'm 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 going to say you know, Thornton just looks fantastic, but I'll tell you the, the most eye-opening comment to me of what have, what have we been over there now seven eight days was Rodney Garner rolling in there Tuesday, you know from a from a coach who does not throw around I mean does not toss around compliments at all I mean just you're not going to say you know little Johnny's having a good camp just you know, to not hurt little Johnny's feelings I mean you guys know I mean Coach G is gonna lay it down, you know, lay the smack down like he did on Chad Davy and Bradley on Tuesday. But I, I thought that was eye opening for him to be that effusive about Norman Lott. I, that that told me a lot. And so I, I would go Thornton Lott, but man, I, I, it would be interesting to look around the SEC. Maybe maybe we can get Matt Ray on this hover. How many people have plug and play start, or how you know how many plug and play starters did people get out of the transfer portal? Because what are we looking at with Tennessee five? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the guy I would put at the top of that list, in, in my opinion, is Keenan Peely because I think yeah. he's the guy guaranteed to start um, at, at this point at, at the inside linebacker spot. Now, Castle's going to play a huge role. I think Thornton starts. Norman Lott's going to play there. But, I mean, I think Peely, who's on the leadership council, I think he's going to be a lock starter at, at the inside linebacker <laughs> position. I think he may be the most impactful guy that, that Tennessee has in there. The bottom line is it feels like, and again – Austin, you said it best. You know, we'll see what the results are coming out of the scrimmage. We'll see where they are in another 10 days or so. But it feels like Tennessee's hit pretty well on their portal transfer guys. Well, correct. And to go back to the original question about the freshmen, I said this on Josh and Swain on Wednesday. I honestly believe when you look back five, six years from now, this current class has has a chance to be one of the most successful recruiting classes in Tennessee in the last 25 or 30 years. Like I, I there, well, and I say this because I've sat here and went back and looked at like the last 15 years and just how bad the hit rate was on a bunch of them. And, and I think that, you know, there's enough chatter and talk. And this isn't just like talking points during fall camp. Like these guys physically look much better and much more prepared to play college football coming in than so many other classes have in the last 15 years. And, and oh, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. By the way, one transfer I forgot to mention, John Campbell's going to be the starting starting left tackle for Tennessee well, on the offensive line. I mean, and your, it, and your it, kicker. It feels like it's a hit, you know? And, and I'm going to tell you. And your, your kicker. Yeah. He, he may not start, but I guarantee you he plays a ton, and that's Gabe Judy Lally. Yeah. Uh, another one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like the portal was good for Tennessee. Now, again, we'll see moving forward, but there is a lot of positive juice about the portal guys right now. All right, let's roll on here with mailbag questions. We go to Glock Vols. Do you think having Campbell, Spraggs, and Cooper, that it could help mask some of the holes we have on the offensive line, along with the tempo helping? I think the scheme helps. I, I think the tempo can help. The fact that if they can keep Cooper healthy, I think that this pacing and everything that he – brings is huge but like john campbell's not darnell now he's playing the left versus darnell's playing the right it's they're just different type of players garnell was girthy you know and john campbell is not nearly as big as darnell ain't even close really um 
you know, and, and so like I know somebody said, well, this is just talking points. Well, if it's talking points, it's talking points from everybody over there. Like it's not like it's as a, you know, made up thing by a couple of people that cover the team. Uh, you know, and so I, when I look at left guard, I just think that, you know, who knows? I mean, spin the roulette wheel and see where the ball lands. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. Could be, a, you know, five or six different guys. And then right tackle, I mean, you know, if, if I think if they're starting a the game today, I think they'd try to push Mincy over there. But, you know, if not, it'll probably be J.J. Crawford. Rob, bigger concern for you, left guard or right tackle? The bigger question maybe is the better way to say that instead of concern. I might say left guard just because – I mean, I know Ollie's played, but, you know, whoever – and, and yeah, right, it's going to be a different position for Crawford or, or Mincy, but those guys have started a lot of games. Left guard, I just feel like you're going to have less experience there. And, again, I know Ollie's been in the program forever and has, has, has made some starts, but I, I would just go left guard. Yeah, I think that's – I think that feels like the case for me right now is a little bit of proven at left guard. And, and Ollie Lane suddenly finding himself getting quite a bit of reps at center too. You wonder if that – you know, what that looks like in, in terms of, you know, his workload and how they manage him through the rest of fall camp. We'll get a much better idea of kind of direction some things are going on the offensive line uh, following the scrimmage that takes place later today. Glenn Ellerby made that very clear in his conversation with the media earlier this week. All right, this is for you, AP. Banjo Vol 2024 shaping up to be a stellar class. If we reach 10 wins again this year, could the class of 25 be truly elite? I'm going to ask it a little bit differently. I know I've asked that question. Wins a big factor, not a huge factor in recruiting. Where, where do you put that? I think that it matters. I think the more you can stack, you know, 10 win seasons, it matters. Um, I still think you got to, you know, I don't think kids are going, well, they won 10 two years in a row. I'm definitely going to go to Tennessee. I, I think. You might see that with, you know, Georgia right now because they won back-to-back national titles and Alabama's won, you know, half dozen under Nick. But, like, I think, you know, it, you know it's just different. Like, you, it takes a while to get there. Like, I know Tennessee fans don't understand that, but the recruiting base here and the recruiting base in Georgia is two different things. Like, and and so, you know, it's, it's just different. And so I think that there's some different uh, – avenues but i think the biggest thing you got to look at here like like look at the rest of this class i think this class is really good currently at what rank six seventh depending on the day depending on who's committing uh let's say they had a koye and maybe one more highly profile guy um you're gonna be in the top 10 at that point in my opinion what's it take to the top get to the top five i don't think it matters because i think when i look at last year's class it was just outside the top 10 and i'm sitting here saying that i think when you look back five or six years from now it has a chance to be one of the best classes in the last, you know, 30 years, you know, um, you know, just as far as like guys they hit on, on the hit rate. And so I think that's most important. And I think the one thing you can't forget about too is technically any of these transfers count towards the class too um, when you look at like committed lists. So like Dante Thornton and all these guys you just named, like a year from now, what's that look like? you know, with the class? Are they still landing mostly four- and five-star guys? Very few three-stars. There's going to be a few in every class. But mostly four- and five-star guys and then hitting on the right type of transfers. If you're doing that, then you're progressing as a program. Yeah, well, and again, you're exactly right. And, Rob, it also gets back to who you're beating out for some guys. And some guys we're talking about here, you're beating out David Hobbs. Who'd you beat out for? Georgia and Alabama. You know, I mean. Arian Carter. Arian Carter. I mean. 
that's that's where you're at. I mean, to get there, you got to stack wins over those guys in recruiting. Tennessee did that a year ago. We'll see what that class looks like uh, coming out in 2024. It's, it's not like Butch beating, you know, West Virginia and Maryland out for a Florida four star. Yeah, I mean, it's different. I mean, it's it's a little bit of who you beat. I mean, and that's not a knock on the rankings, and that's not a knock on Butch. It's different, you know, when you're beating out somebody straight up. Uh, against the people you're chasing in this league year in and year out. Hey, um, I figured out what Rob's nickname is. I'm going to start calling him Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast. Tell his oldest time. <laughs> Rob's bashing on Butch. <laughs> let's let's go to uh, Volfo. We know our opponents for – we know who our opponents are going to be for 2024, but don't have, don't have dates yet for SEC games. Any idea when that's going to be announced? This fall. Yeah, that's a that'll be a mid fall type announcement, I would think. Yeah, um, I mean, now they could push that though because it's been mid fall uh, for several years. But with Oklahoma and Texas coming in the league and them re kind of you know you know doing some stuff, like they may want to make it a TV event, not in season. Now again, we'll see, but I think either way, it's it's a midweek Tuesday Wednesday TV special when they announce you know, the schedule. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you that it's, that it's going to go that way. Um, and, and sooner rather than later. So everybody can start doing their planning. So I would imagine that that's going to come out sometime this fall. Um, Greenval, Rob, to you, if Tennessee goes seven and five, how big of a setback would that be for Tennessee? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess these mean recruiting or what, I mean, I, I think it would be a horrible year and I'm not sure how big of a setback that would be on the trail. I mean, I, I don't think you'd have a, massive amount of decommitments or anything, you know, depending on what it looked like. I mean, did you have injuries here and there? I mean, I, I think it would be a huge letdown after last year, last year, you know, setback. Does that mean Josh can't get it done? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, to see what the circumstances were, but man, that would be, that would be driving this thing in the ditch the way, the way, you know, the fan base feels right now, wouldn't it? Yes. I agree with Rob a whole hundred percent. Like seven and five means some things that went drastically wrong. Yeah, well, you've had a bunch of injuries or or some guys didn't, you know, your quarterback play, Joe Milton didn't play the way you thought Joe Milton was going to play, or your offensive line didn't come together. I mean, all of those things could could factor in. When you look at the schedule, we're looking at where it's at. It's all going to go back to those swing games we talk about. What do you do at Florida to open SEC play, right? And then you've got the, the A&M swing game in Knoxville. You've got Kentucky out there as well. Um, those are going to hinge and, and say a lot about the direction and, and kind of what happens this season uh, with this football team. In, in my opinion, I think it's hard to go to Alabama and win. Uh, I think Georgia is going to be really good. I, I know a lot of people are talking about Tennessee and Georgia and Knoxville, but I think I think Georgia's in a true reload mode. I, I really do. I, I don't think that they're going to take any kind of real step back at all in, in Athens. So we'll see. You know how Tennessee plays and how it goes um, moving forward. It's That's the fun part of following this thing. Fort Loudonville wants to know, for everyone, with all the conference realignment occurring, if you could pick any two teams to join the SEC, who would you add? Mm. Well, before, when they were still doing divisions, I would have told you like Virginia Tech and NC State or some team from North Carolina so we could get Missouri shoved to the West so we'd have to quit going and making that trip. But we're now don't have to do that every year, every other year now. So, um, you know, I, I still think keeping it, you know, regional is important. So I think I still think this still stays the same 
you know, either a Florida State or a Clemson or one of the North Carolina schools or one of the Virginia schools. I think if you can keep it regional, like, can you imagine Hubs like trying to cover the team if you were in trying to cover Oregon? You have one game you can drive to. Every, you know, the, the, the LA trips are a two and a half hour flight or whatever it is. And then everything else is a, you know, a three or four hour flight with some of those places being hard to get into from a standpoint, you're going to have to connect. You're not getting direct flights. So like that, that just sounds like a nightmare. I, we're very fortunate in this league to be able to drive to most of the conference. I, mean, I think, I mean, Upper, don't you think, I mean, I'm, I go back to when I was a kid when Arkansas and South Carolina came in. I, I always thought Florida state and Clemson made perfect sense. I mean, as long as I can remember, you know, being a football fan that they would, they would slide right in. Now, as far as, you know, eyeballs and TV ratings and everything, that, that, that probably doesn't add a lot, you know, to what you've got here. But just cult- culturally, I mean, I think Clemson has probably always been an SEC school spiritually. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at those two schools from a football standpoint, that's absolutely the case. I, I don't think the SEC is in any kind of real desire to make a move. I mean, if, if Notre Dame picked up the phone and called and said, hey, we're looking for a conference, then I think Greg Sankey would say, all right, come on, we'll find somebody to pair up to keep it even. But I don't know how much else that they're looking for anybody. I did think Sankey's comments were pretty interesting about how the SEC doesn't need to be in three or four time zones for the exposure um, that, that he made earlier this week as well. So I, I don't think – I just don't think that they are um, looking – that the SEC is looking to jump and react to what everybody else is doing right now. Um and, and I think you wonder a little bit about what the eyeballs, you know, how important those eyeballs are. They aren't with the way, you know, streaming's changing everything and all that kind of stuff, you know, what, what those footprints ultimately look like. So um, I don't know that the SEC is going to be in any kind of hurry, but I'm with you guys. I mean, Clemson, Florida State feel like SEC type schools, um, you know, but I don't think there's anything happening there anytime soon, despite some of the stuff that's been thrown out there. Don't you think, don't, don't you think though, that this is likely headed towards three, though, or, or well, I guess I mean, keeping it at four. Like, like, is the ACC really going to go belly up like you know the Pac-12 did? I, I think the Pac-12 will be uh, en- cause enough of a panic in the ACC, and obviously the Big 12 is countered with their with their run on teams that you don't you, you don't see them fall by the wayside. Like, I mean, the Pac-12 is going mean, just just gone. It's well, fun. you know the thing—the thing that led to the Pac-12's demise is—is—is is, is a lack of TV deal, and 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 the, the ACC's got a TV package. They've got a good TV package. You've got the yeah. ACC network now. Is it as much as the Big Ten or the SEC? No. And I get where Florida State and Clemson are 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 clamoring because they're carrying the, financially. They're carrying the load for that conference because football drives the train. Uh, the basketball stuff in that conference is not yielding as much media rights and TV money as football is going to yield, Rob. But as long as that TV deal's in place, it, you know, they're getting enough money that it's, you know, they can complain about not getting as much as everybody else, but it, it's going to be hard for, I don't see that conference just falling by the wayside unless that TV deal in whatever year that thing comes due doesn't doesn't move in the right direction that they want to move because that's going to drove the Pac-12 out the door. And, and don't they? I mean, uh, I am not an expert on this by any means, but I'm you know following and interested. In it. Don't don't in their buyout like 120 million dollars a piece? Silly. Yeah, for the universe. I mean, they're not going anywhere. No, I mean, I mean they can make all the noise they want to. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I mean, somebody put out that 
that Florida State might explore private equity to fund that to get out. I mean, no, nobody's turning their athletic department over to a private equity fund who's all about profit loss. Do you think Olympic sports are interested in, in a private equity fund looking at yeah. their looking at their P&L statement? I mean, it, it just it, I think there's real challenges there. So I, and, and again, I don't know that everybody's lining up to take one of those schools either. I mean, yeah. how much money? Do you bring? Would they bring to the table as a conference school that you would want to divide your TV pie yet again, right? What if what if the Saudi Arabia backed PIF? You know, I mean, I'm I'm not joking. I mean, this was an idea brought to me by one by one of the people I know who who at the time said this is what this is what um, the Pac-12 should do. They should counter with turning it over to the PIF. And because they're always trying to buy in and, and get into these these areas like they have with live golf and so on and so forth, you know, would you like to own a chunk of the pie, you know, and all of a sudden now you have the PIF funding NIL all through the Pac-12 or not Pac-12, but uh, yeah, the Pac-12. And you know, never happened. Federal money for universities never happened. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there. I, I you know I just don't think anybody's going to let an outside source come in and and start dictating uh, stuff that they're doing in, in terms of where they're spending their money in their athletic department. But I, I don't think the SEC is moving anytime soon uh, in terms of adding teams uh, again, unless Notre Dame wanted to go somewhere, and I don't think that's going to be the case with where they're at right now. Uh, TDTN nineteen seventy seven. Through the first week and couple of days of fall camp, who are your starters in the secondary? Who's your starting five on the offensive line? I got you like 20 minutes into this thing before we got into that question. All right, let's go. Secondary, I'll go Haddon, Danico Slaughter. I'll go T-Mac for now at nickel, and then I'll go McCullough and Walker at safety. I don't – I mean, just based off what we've seen, I don't don't have anything to add to that. I mean, I'll I'll be – I'll just be very interested to see if that stays static. Yeah, I'm going to be fascinated to see where they are at nickel if T-Mac misses more time because he's been limited with that injury that he's dealing with, that that muscle pull. How does that affect what the star position looks like? Because somebody's going to get some, some real run in this scrimmage and, and get an opportunity to show themselves. Is that Gabe Judy Lolly? Is that Warren Burrell? What does that look like at the star position? On the offensive front, if they're playing a game today, it's Cooper at center for me. It's Spragans at guard. It's Ollie Lane at guard. Um, it's John Campbell at left tackle. And I'm going to take J.J. Crawford at right tackle. That's my starting five on the offensive line. If they were playing today, um, I think that's how they open up um, for game one, unless something crazy happens here over the next couple who's, of weeks in, in fall camp. Who's behind McCullough, and, and is, he, is he legit getting pushed? I mean, what do we think? Is that I mean Jordan Thomas AP would would that be the safety behind is it is it Andre Turrentine where where do you think they are behind McCullough at safety right now Yeah I mean it's those two and then again if 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 they found an answer at star um, and allowed T Mac to roll back to safety I think that's all obviously an option too um, you know I, I, there's a couple of different options Yeah so, so we'll see what that looks like coming out of these scrimmages here over the course of the next week, week and a half, something like that. Uh, Swagger 12, do you think Wingo could actually pick Missouri AP? And who do you think Tennessee has the best chance of getting? Um, Williams, um, Winery, or Franklin? Name two recruits Tennessee has the best chance to flip. That's a, that's, 
I'm, I've asked you multiple questions. I want you to answer them separately. I'm right now. I would say neither. Like as far as Winery or Franklin, um, okay. you know, I, I think Tennessee. If you said who's the best, it's be- the best chances with Winery, and I don't know how great that chance is. Um, the other one, flipping Cam Fountain would be one, um, and then uh, I would probably look at uh, Amaris Williams, who's committed to Florida. All right, we got more of your recruiting questions, more football questions, more basketball questions coming up as we continue here on the Mailbag Podcast. But first, a message from our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, you should too. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Again, thanks to our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions for all of your needs around the house. Check them out at Exterior Home Solutions. They're online, exteriorhomesolutions.com. All right, back to the questions we go. Vol for Life TP, a game of who has more running back catches this year are AP putts per round, slaughter interceptions, are D. Williams return touchdowns, Cam Seldon touchdowns, or Ethan Davis touchdowns. All right, let's start with this, AP. More putts for you in a round or more catches for running backs this year? Well, I hope it would be catches for running backs, but my, my putter's been ice cold lately, so it's uh, it, it could be the other. Um, what was the second question? All right, more interceptions for Slaughter or return touchdowns for D. Williams? I'm going to go return touchdowns for D. Williams. I'm taking interceptions, Rob Lewis. Last one to you, Cam Selton, touchdowns or Ethan Davis, touchdowns? Apparently, he's got internet issues as well. AP, we're going to finish this bad boy out here. Um, So we will go with – Rob's never looked better. He's never looked better. He's never looked better. Who are you going to take – who are you going to take here? It's just you and I, man. I mean, we could talk forever. It's no well, big deal. Are well, you taking Ethan Davis or Cam Seldon? Uh, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take Cam Seldon because I think he can score enough touchdowns and, and mop up duty. All right. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right on, on that one. I, I don't I don't disagree with with that notion. Um, let's see here. Orange Truth, how disappointing for the staff is it to lose in-state kids you recruit multiple years only to have Bama or Clemson offer in the spring of their senior year and land them, being two examples of that, Amari Jefferson and Ronan O'Connell? I mean, you know, it, it it's never fun, but at the same time, I mean, like, you know, this is not some kind of new, a new deal. I mean, uh, you know, I outlined it, you know, um, you know, on, on, you know, I think in a podcast here recently, but I can go back over it really quick here. In 2006, 2016, Tennessee landed two of 11, four stars or better. 17, four of 13. 18, three of 11. 19, two of 13. 20 is the outlier, five of nine. That was the big O, uh, 
Bryson Eason, uh, that group, uh, Tyler Barron, Cooper Mays, uh, 21, one of nine, 22 with the investigation stuff over hand, you over 13, mm-hmm. two of eight and 23, and four of 10 and 24. So, you know, it's again, you go back and look at it and you go, well, I can never play at that school. I wasn't a mess for Tennessee. You can look at several of those, even the ones last year when Tennessee was what two for two for eight, there were probably three of those or two or two or three of those that were, or, were quarterbacks. Well, you weren't going to recruit a couple of those kids because why? You had Nico. Right. So, you know, it, 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 it happens quite frequently, just like Tennessee's able to plug high-end guys out of other states. It, it just kind of is what it is. Again, got to worry about the ones you get, not the ones you lose. But, you know, the only ones that you feel are when the ones make plays. When T. Higgins and Amari Rogers made plays, you felt it. When Randall Cobb made plays, you felt it. When, you know, Jacob Phillips and Jacoby Stevens are winning a national championship at LSU and making plays, you felt it. You didn't feel it when a bunch of these other guys go to, you know, these other schools and you don't see it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rob Lewis, 12 all to you. If Zakai is healthy for game one of the season, does he start, come off the bench, and a spark plug roll like he has before? How do they manage Zakai? I mean, if he's healthy – He'll start, but I don't know that he's going to be helped, you know, 100% the first week in November. But, but when, when he's 100%, he's Tennessee's starting point guard. How, how careful are they going to be with him pre-conference? Oh, kid kid gloves. Kid really? gloves. I mean, I mean it's, and it's going to be hard to, to hold him back. I mean, you, you guys, I mean, you've been around him. It's, he's definitely one of those that, you know, you have, to, you have to say whoa and not sick him. So, I mean, that's going to be – I mean, and Tennessee will stay on top of it, but I, I think that's going to be their biggest challenge is managing, you know, his desire to, to push himself maybe beyond what he should. And, and he's – not that he'll do anything silly, but, I mean, he, he, he will – he is, you know, banging his head to get back. So, as soon as he's healthy, as soon as he's 100%, he, he's Tennessee's starter. All right. Um, Vols 10-24, what type of NFL draft pick does Cooper Mays project to be? Would he be open to coming back if he grades out as a back end of the draft undrafted free agent guy, AP? Well, I mean, you got to think, Cade went in the sixth round. His signing bonus was a million bucks that year. Cooper's not going to get a million dollars in NIL. I mean, like, you know, if you think you can be drafted, if they project you as a guy that can be drafted, I mean, I think you have to have a hard look at it. Now, if, if they're saying most likely undrafted free agent, that's when I probably would, would – you know, potentially entertain coming back because you can make more money in NIL potentially because of what his importance is to the offense, what his importance is to the overall deal. But Cooper, as we talked about, was extremely close with older guys. He was extremely close with, with obviously with Cade, but even last year with, he was really tight with Darnell, really tight with Jerome Carvin. Those guys aren't here anymore. And so, you know, does he find somebody else to kind of, you know, be the peanut butter to his jelly? You know, I mean, I, you know, and, and kind of be buddies with. Like, I think that goes a long way to any kind of door opening to a potential another year for Cooper Mates. But I would definitely lean to him not being back. Uh, I heart Vols, which happens first? NCAA athletes unionize. The SEC and the Big Ten break from the NCAA. Vanderbilt's asked to find a new conference. I don't see I don't see I don't see students athletes unionizing because of the turnover, Rob, every three or four years. I, I just yeah. I don't see I don't see how that model works with that kind of turnover. I that's that's I agree with you, Hubbard, and because of that point. I mean, 
you know, if you're a one and done college basketball player, I mean, how, how interested are you in you know, doing that? I just, and I just think there's so, so much disparity. And again, I don't want to get sidetracked, but there's so much disparity. You know, what, what's a, you know, a girl soccer player got in common with, with Nico as far as, you know, what they're, you know, from the NIL perspective and, and all that. I just think there's so much disparity in the needs, you know, of, of the athletes. So I, I don't know about just the SEC and Big Ten, but I think that a group of, you know, the powerhouse is going to break away. I would definitely take that one. Yeah, I thought Chip Kelly's comments earlier this week were pretty interesting, where he said basically, why could you not do um, they, you know, essentially 64 Power 5 teams, and that's co- major college football, and then you do 64 non-Power 5 teams, and, and they go and play, and, and the big boys go and play, and then – your other sports stay in the conferences that they've currently been in from a regional standpoint. Like why, why is that not even, I mean, is that where we ultimately end up going yeah. is the question. I mean, that's what I said something simple on the podcast uh, earlier this week. I mean, why does, when we're talking about the Oregon softball team going to Rutgers, you know, how much, why can't your, your non-revenue or your Olympic sports stay where they are? You know, Pac-12 swimming and diving championships, stay, stay like it is that, that, to me, and you've seen, you know, I, I normally am not a huge Eli Drinkwitz fan, but I, I thought he w- was pretty eloquent on, on that topic this week as well. All right. Uh, Austin, to you, Stump Jumper wants to know, when's the last time we had such good competition across the board at so many positions? Rob, you can jump in here too, but AP, go first. I mean, I think it's probably, what, early 2000s hubs? I mean, as far as just all, all across the boards. I mean, there were some position groups that I think were pretty good when Butch was here. Um you know, but I think you have probably have to go back to the mid two thousands. Rob, yeah, I mean, I to- totally agree. I mean, and I and I think I think we'd all agree that that lack of competition has in the last recent past has led to some guys getting comfortable. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, you know, it's it's fun to watch. I mean, you look at that running back room, and and that that the competition in that group is only getting more intense. In in my opinion, when you see some of these young guys developing. And I think Jalen Wright's taken on a whole different role uh, with this team in general. I think he's become more vocal. I think he's as confident as he's ever been. We've talked about linebackers. they got a bunch of bodies up front on the defensive line. Um, you know, th- this is a team you got to, I mean, two years ago, they were, they were struggling to field a team in, in some regards at some positions. Uh, so it's very different than it's been. And it's been a while since it's felt like this. Uh, my favorite screen name. I miss Denarius Moore besides Dobbs and Kamara. Who from a Jones team do you wish you could see in Hypel's system? I think Josh Malone, because he can run. Um, defensively. Oh, Derek Barnett. But, Derek Barnett. But that doesn't that – that doesn't... He was going to be good in anybody's system. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think about it more offensively. Um I think I think Cal, I think Alvin would have been interesting to see kind of what all they could do with him, and I think there, this run game scheme would have worked really well with, with Alvin, uh, for sure. I mean, I, I think that would have been, you know, fairly intriguing, and I think Josh Malone in the slot would have had a would have had a pretty good field day in the, in this offense. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I go back to the Dooley teams. I mean, huh. Hunter, Hunter Rogers, CP, even Michael Rivera. I think would have been or the Rick if you could have kept him in school. Yeah. 
who's still, I mean, one of the most talented guys I've seen over there. One of, the, one of the greatest Golden Eagles of all time, baby. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of good, I mean, a lot of good offensive players who've come through here who would have been, who would have thrived in this system, particularly guys who could play out on the perimeter uh, out wide. All right, last question, and we're out the door. This is for you, Austin. This is the uh, Athron's recruiting trifecta, or I mean, he's got a he's got to force them in here for you. All right, thoughts on Williams Winery a week out? I think Tennessee's still talking to him a bunch. I think all those teams are. He's not turned the phone off on anybody. Um, I would probably take Missouri just because the NIL dynamic. Yeah, the, the dynamic there, he can make money now at, at going to Missouri. Is that the or make money as soon as he signs with Missouri? What's the dynamic? Explain that one to people as best you understand it. Well, again, like I, I, I thought I understood it one way, and then I'm like, well, it's the, it's the opposite. Like, basically, I think that he can make money now, and at least that I believe that's what his interpretation of this but is. Is it that if you sign with an in-state school, if, if that's coming from an in-state collective, though? That's correct. That's not, so I mean, it's he, the Missouri. He now, can he sign a financial aid agreement which locks Missouri to him and allow him to start getting paid by the NIL collective? That's my question. Yeah. So that, that those are some things, and that's why Missouri continues to pop up with those two, with Wingo and with Williams, because a lot of people feel like they've got a real advantage with the NIL law that they have in their state which is certainly up for interpretation by a lot of different people out there. Um, what are you hearing on the offensive lineman, Seton? Jordan Seton. Um, he had his people reach out to Tennessee, reach out to South Carolina. Um, certainly sounds like, uh, you know, he's taking another look around here as we head into fall. All right. Can you see Keith becoming more like an H-back and take the Princeton Fant role? I don't see that body mm -hmm. type. I don't see him being that type. They're not, they're not the same type player. Not yeah. the same type body type. Keith, Khalifa Keith is a bowling ball who can run though, um, and is uh, physically different than just about anybody in that room. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, he was not afraid of the contact when we saw that blitz, that blitz pickup one on one drill. Um, AP, he, he wasn't he wasn't catching blitz defenders coming his way. He was a he was kind of attacking and going at some of those guys. He seemed to kind of relish that opportunity in that drill. He seemed very comfortable for a young guy. He, he seemed to have some comfort level with the with the pickup stuff and the protection stuff. Not that he knew the scheme. I'm just saying how to do that. It looked like he has either worked on that on his own or that's something he did in high school, which you normally don't see a lot of. Hundred percent. You know, which is kind of unusual. And then the last one to UAP, Chris Cole, thoughts on his announcement date set. What does that mean? Where's Tennessee? You had the note on Wednesday on the message board about him right now. Looks like Tennessee's going to get a shot at him before an announcement. Is yeah, that going to Southern Cal the weekend of the second? And then as of now, looks like uh, he will take an official visit to Tennessee for that first home game against Austin P. And then he'll commit on the 10th. So, um, if he gets to that point, you'd have to think Tennessee's got a shot there. I mean, he's literally going to come down here the weekend that he commits. So, uh, then lock him into coming here for sure. But they, you'd think that he's still fairly open to Tennessee and the possibility of Tennessee um, if that's the case. And then everybody's still chasing Georgia. That's the school that everybody's been chasing. Is that certainly, fair? Certainly feels that way. Yeah. Certainly yeah. feels like, you know, Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee are the top two teams, in my opinion. Then, you know, we'll see if. Southern Cal gets any traction here um, as we uh, as we head to the first uh, first week of games. 
All right, that's going to do it for all the mailbag questions. We appreciate you guys jumping in there and asking those this week. Don't forget, we've got full coverage of Josh Heupel's reaction to the scrimmage coming up later today. we got the War Room on Friday. We'll do 10 things, I think, I think. We'll get that started. Uh, we've got full practice coverage all weekend long for Tennessee. Plenty of other feature articles. Matt's got a bunch of recruiting stuff coming up this weekend as well. Lots of things going on. There's no better time to check us out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Jump on over to VolQuest.com. Go ahead and jump in and, and become a part of the VolQuest family. And don't miss out on anything that's going on in Tennessee athletics, particularly right now with Tennessee football. But we have basketball coverage as well. Eric's following the baseball thing. Uh, lots of stuff going on right now at VolQuest.com. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price and Brent Hubs, thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.